Hi, everyone. I'm Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains, and this is All's Fair. All's Fair in Love and War, even in these uncertain times of a global pandemic. Johnny and I are socially distancing. I'm in my own private studio, and he's in downtown Los Angeles. But alas, the show must go on, which is why we're bringing you this All's Fair special report on relationships in the age of COVID-19. So let's get right to it, starting with your conversation with TMZ about co-parenting and coronavirus. As with anything, being reasonable is important. What is in the best interest of the kids, okay? This is about the children, but it's also about extended family, particularly elderly people. You have to try to get on the same page with your ex. The hope is you've been able to do that to a certain extent if you're co-parenting. If you really are doing it with someone who's being unreasonable, get it in writing. My kids are both going back and forth to their dads. I trust their dads. I trust that when they're at their dads, they're safe. It's the only household that they're in are mine and their other parents. I know not everybody gets along like that, but you have to come to some agreements because it's in your kid's best interest. And if you could, if I couldn't do that, then my kids were either not going to be spending time at my house or they weren't going to be spending time at their dad's house. And that would have been a bummer for them. The other thing to keep in mind is school-aged children right now might have been on spring break, but a lot of them are going back to school and doing virtual classrooms right now. Sometimes that's going to be difficult for them to do virtual classrooms at two different homes. So maybe you say, hey, I'd really like to focus on classroom academic time at this house. I mean, you have to be a little bit adaptable in these situations, particularly with kids. We are going to come out of this at some point. And so you will be able to, you know, get whatever the remedies available are to you then. Keep in mind, people, that the parent who is less likely to facilitate custody or visitation can often be the parent that completely loses custody or visitation. So if you're really just being a jerk about it and not giving your kids back because you don't want to, think twice about that. Gosh, Laura, you've been doing a lot of this kind of stuff since we went on Safer at Home. I mean, I've seen you now on TMZ, which we just listened to. I've seen you in People Magazine, You've these two worthy webinars that we did about divorce and COVID-19 and finances. That You've been on these live Instagrams with Jessica Yellen and Sarah Happ. Why are you doing so much of this? Why is this so important to you? Well, one, I'm kind of bored. But the other thing is, I think it's really <laughs> important right now that everybody does what they can to kind of pitch in, in whatever way that we can to make people understand that we are all in this together. And so like, you know, I don't, I can't make masks and I can't do any Instagram live about like best practices medical wise or what to do when you go to the market. But I know a lot of people are freaking out about some of the co-parenting yes. and time sharing in custody. And I know people are freaking out about the fact that our courts are mostly closed. And so what do we do about modifications of child and spousal support? So to the extent that I can be helpful or informative, I am. I also would just like to say, I mean, I read an article yesterday that was in a Prevention Magazine by Mike Julianelle saying, yeah. hey, divorce lawyers, nobody cares that you think divorce rates will skyrocket after the quarantine. And he's kind of commenting on all of these memes and and articles that we're seeing about how many people are going to get divorced as a result of quarantine. And right. I agree with Mike that marriages that fail due to cabin fever probably weren't meant to last to begin with. And for better or worse, probably means, um, you know, in quarantine or not. That yeah. being said, you know, I, I think it's important that I think there's a silver lining to this. I think that when people are quarantined, they might take this opportunity in a relationship to get closer. We we talk about how we're having family meals and we're having family right. game night and we're watching movies together. 
um, me and one of my exes like really decided we were going to make all our kids watch like all the John Hughes movies that we watched and loved when we were teens <laughs> in the 80s. Some of them hold up, some of them don't. So there is a flip side to this. And again, I don't think, I'm not just sitting here rubbing my hands and laying in wait for all the people that are going to be getting divorced. Well, whether you are or not, uh, according to many of the articles we're going to talk about today, there is going to be a spike. So get ready. But before we get to that, um, I want to go back to the co-parenting during coronavirus uh, that we started to talk about at the top of the show. Megan King Edmonds from The Real Housewives of Orange County and estranged husband Jim Edmonds, who is a St. Louis Cardinal, are fighting over the over kids as he awaits coronavirus test results. And she's flown the kids out of town, you know, during this this period of time. What do you think about that? Is that is that cool or are people allowed to do that? No. I mean, I don't know what their agreement is and I don't know what actually happened. But if they live in Missouri and she left the state with the children to bring them to California, probably not cool. And again, people are reacting to panic. People are removing their children. People are withholding their children. Um, People are not co-parenting reasonably. And even though there's nothing we can really do at this moment in many cases, I mean, again, if the kids are being withheld, you could call the sheriff and the sheriff will come help you get them if you've got a court order. But if there is a valid concern about social distancing or safety in your home, the the sheriff may not remove them. I don't know that you want your kids being removed by a sheriff anyway. Um, If this is happening to you, take notes, get it in writing, write emails or text messages to your Um, co-parent that makes sense and say, I know that you're concerned, but I really want to make you feel comfortable what's going on. Um, We are doing everything at my house that that you're doing at your house, and we're washing everything, and we're not having people over, and the kids will be safe here as well. They will also be prevented from becoming carriers so that if they come back to your house and you're worried about your health or an elderly parent or caregiver that's living with you, um, we are all in this together. I want you to feel comfortable. And if they still are dicks, well, then they're going to get it when this is all over. That's not going to be okay. One of the things that I had written in the It's Over Easy blog article that we wrote about co-parenting during COVID is to really focus on the three C's, which we talk about all right. the time at It's Over Easy, which is communication, cooperation, and consideration. Those three things are essential in any co-parenting relationship, but particularly now, because we're scared, we're uncertain. If you're able to be a better, more considerate co-parent than perhaps you were when you guys were together, I think that you will find that the results will be uh, beneficial not only to yourselves, but to your kids. And if it is a situation where you really can't share custody, if you live too far away from each other to be going back and forth, A lot of kids are on spring break right now, so they were probably going to be traveling to visit their other parent across the country in another state. Or if one of the parents is any kind of an emergency or care provider at any of the hospitals or any medical facilities, they may not, A, have the time to exercise their custodial timeshare, or B, not feel comfortable with the kids coming in and out of their home because of their exposure. If you're on the other end of that co-parenting situation, for goodness sake, Figure out a way to do Zoom calls. Figure out a way to do uh, Skyping, FaceTiming. Facilitate your co-parents' time with your kids so that you really, really, they are able to see them because it's good for them, not just the co-parent. You're hurting your kids if you're not providing access to their other parent, particularly during this time where they're probably a little bit scared. 
All great advice, Laura. And I want to ask you your thoughts on this subject. So many households that are co-parenting right now have multiple people in them. So there's three adults at one house, two adults at another, and two kids going back and forth. How how do you how does that work in terms of quarantining and you know in a situation like that is everybody just saying okay well we're all probably all going to get it well we're either all going to get it or we're all not going to get it I mean you know at my house I've got my three kids that are here and then they're two dads and we've got one dad that's living with somebody and the kids are going back and forth we've had a few family dinners with everybody that's kind of our circle. And we try not to go outside of the circle, but the people that are in our circle, everybody kind of has to be very careful. There's only one or two of us that actually go to the market. We don't bring the kids into the market. We go to the market these days, gas runs, anything else. So yeah, you kind of have to draw a circle around the people that are in your home and everybody has to kind of adhere to the same thing. Got it. Got it. In theory, nothing lasts forever, even a global pandemic. But at a time like this, when people are losing their jobs and the stock market is up one day and down the next... People may be wondering if their spousal support or child support payments are safe. Are they, Laura? They're safe for now, unless somebody, again, decides to take matters into their own hand and kind of Chuck Norris it with self-help. You're not supposed to unilaterally change or withhold support payments. So if there's a court order for support, you're supposed to continue paying it until there is something in writing or a court order changing it. Now, again, that's going to be difficult for people if they've been laid off their jobs or if they've gotten salary decreases. So what I've recommended is reach out to your co-parent or ex-spouse, figure out the best way of either temporarily reducing support or long-term, reduce it to writing, remind your ex that we are in this together, that if you take a hit, he or she's going to take a hit too. It may not last forever, but let's figure out the best way to get through this together. And again, if you can't pay and you don't have the resources to pay, then that you probably will not be held in contempt of court. But the legal machinations you will both have to go through if you don't go through the normal course are are horrible. So talk about it, figure it out, come to some kind of agreement, do make sure it's in writing, don't necessarily need attorneys to help you with it, but there needs to be something saying, I agree to take less than the court-ordered amount for this period of time and we'll readdress it at the end or something like that. Now in the article that you uh, wrote for, it's actually on the insights blog on it's over easy. And it's also on the ThriveGlobal.com website um, called impact of COVID-19 on spousal support and co-parenting economics. You actually outline some really great uh, advice that people can take if they are seriously considering trying to make a change here. You recommend, as you just were saying, most people may not even have the option of reducing support. You recommend that they check whether they there were findings made at the time the order was made. And then also you talk about something called a compound order. Can you explain a little bit of what that, that means? Yeah. A compound order, and again, I don't know that that's a real term of art, is basically a base amount of support, child or spousal, with then in either annual, quarterly, or monthly percentage on top of that. I mean, Not everybody makes the same amount of money every month. A lot of people get bonuses at the end of the year or at certain quarters or they'll take distributions. Maybe they'll get a big chunk for some project that they've done. So a lot of times we'll come up with a base amount of support and then at a certain period throughout the year, we'll give that the recipient of support uh, a percentage of the amount that the person has gotten for, like I said, a bonus, big project, whatever else. And those percentages can differ as to spousal or child. 
if you've got that base number, probably, and the sliding scale, we call it in California, Smith-Osler order, because that was a case that we did that in, probably not the best candidate for a modification because you're already only paying a base and then anything over that. So, you know, 30% of zero is zero. If you don't get a bonus this year because of what's going on with COVID-19, no one loses. The problem is if you really make so much less money that it starts to cut into that base amount. And we're seeing that as well because people are really getting hit hard. You talked in that article and also when we did our Worthy Women Hangout with Lori Itkin, who's a financial advisor, some of the other things that you can do to kind of save yourself during this time. And if you are receiving support, help out by looking into how you can either reduce or withhold uh, payments on student loans right now. Um, some of the benefits that we may at some point be receiving from the federal government during this time, some of the benefits or uh, assistance that we may be receiving from landlords and um, for small yes. businesses, look into those things. Credit card companies are also giving breaks. You might have to get on the phone and be on hold for quite a while, but do your part to show, hey, I'm trying to budget. I'm trying to reduce what the monthly spend is as well. So I'm not just sitting here getting a check and eating bonbons. People concerned about their finances during COVID-19 can go to the It's Over Easy website and check out the video that Laurie Itkin did for us on these topics. The other thing you said just a moment ago, Laura, that's really important to reiterate, I think, is to take the current circumstances into consideration and look to the not just immediate future, but look to the long-term future and what kind of relationship do you really want to have with your co-parent? Yeah. I mean, at, when we all went through our initial breakups and figured out the legalities of custody and support and everything else, that was a difficult and uncertain time. We're now having that again. I was talking to a woman yesterday and she said, God, I'm just having PTSD. It's like going through my divorce all over again. It shouldn't be like that anymore. You've gone through the heartache of getting divorced. This is a scary time. It is an uncertain time. But to the extent that you've already sorted out some of these things, Figure out a way to fine-tune them and make them work for your family if possible. You're listening to the All's Fair Podcast special report on relationships in the age of COVID-19 on iHeartRadio. My name is Laura Wasser and I'm your host. We're all doing our best to make sense of the new normal right now. And we're in this together and together is exactly how we're all going to get through it. Especially when Johnny's all the way across town in his own studio. Makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I can still see you and hear you. <laughs> I know. So we've also been kind of culling the internet for some good articles that we are reading about how people are dealing with quarantine. As I said at the top of the show, this isn't going to lead to divorce for everybody. And if you are isolated with um, family members, exes, or even by yourself, there's some tips that we have today that, um, that we found on, uh, online that might be helpful to you. Back when we could go to the gym and do drinks at bars with friends, go shopping at brick and mortar stores, it was easier to navigate an argument or an annoying habit in a partner when you could find a backdoor to escape. These days, that's just not an option. Yeah, it's hard to like storm out if you have nowhere to go. Right. You can storm <laughs> out to the bathroom. <laughs> you could storm out to take a walk around the block, I guess. Sure, sure, sure. But still, you've got to come back. One of the articles that we read was um, in Inverse, Psychologists Answer Important Questions for Couples Self-Quarantining. It's by Sarah Sloat. And it was, I thought it was really interesting how she talks about kind of 
maybe newer relationships or how if you're dating somebody, whether it's been a year or a week, how to kind of figure out given this time period when we don't have the benefits of physical intimacy, if you can't see each other, if you can't be with each other, if you can't go see a movie or go to a restaurant, how can you develop your relationship? So she talks about, or some of the therapists or psychologists that she speaks with talks about having relationship check-ins, um, have figuring out different kinds of boundaries. I have one friend who lives in New York with her two kids and she dates and lives with part of the time when she doesn't have her kids, her boyfriend who also has adult children, but he's like a New Yorker through and through and she's from here. And she's kind of decamped to Palm Springs with her children during this time. And he now probably wouldn't even be able to fly out here, but did say relatively early on, like, I'm not super comfortable leaving New York right now. It's harder for me to be able to work on the West Coast. I'm not going to be able to be near my, you know, my routine, my adult children. So they're kind of having a long distance relationship for the first time ever and figuring out how to navigate that as well. Right. Well, we are adaptable. And I think that's one of the interesting things about this COVID, this age of COVID-19 is that it is forcing us to shift the way that we look at our relationships. And in some ways, we have to adapt and become even more flexible. Yep. There's a great fatherly article that we read by Jeremy Brown, How to Divorce-Proof Your Marriage During Coronavirus. Yes. He lays out 12 tips that can help couples cope during Safer at Home. This kind of reminds me of what we were just saying about setting boundaries, even if you're living or cohabitating in a very small space. Cohabitating, all, not a word. Cohabiting. Cohabiting. I taught you, have I taught you nothing? <laughs> no, you've taught me so much. So cohabiting, not cohabitating. Everyone in the audience, let that be a lesson to you. So couples that are living together and in small spaces, you have to still set boundaries. If you have to work from home, you still have to carve out your own workspace and let your partner have a separate space and maybe even just a different part of the room. So I actually found another article. This is in this weekend's, you know how I love the vows section of Sunday Styles. Finding support after calling off the wedding. So this is for people who are about to get married. They were having all of their weddings. There's an entire article. The coronavirus has created a crowd of would-be newlyweds forced to reschedule. And again, I think that this, take this with a grain of salt, even the writer says there's much bigger problems going on than having to postpone your wedding. But for many people, this is like the biggest event that they've had in their lifetimes. And so they really, really planning something, having to cancel it is devastating. And so there are support groups. The Knot and Wedding Wire jointly started a 24-7 telephone hotline so brides could get advice from wedding experts It received 2,134 inquiries in its first week. And the number one concern that brides had is whether others are making the same decision. Quote, they want to make sure they aren't the only ones thinking about postponing, Ms. Sowerby said. They're very much concerned about that. So once again, people feeling isolated, people feeling alone, people not knowing what's going on or what they should be doing, um, looking into what many people will say is the most important relationship in their life and figuring out how do we commemorate that and do that with our friends and family if we've had to cancel this event that we've also put so much time and money into planning. They've got online kind of d- dress rehearsal and try-ons and fittings and all kinds of stuff going on for for these individuals that had planned their wedding and are now having to postpone it. 
again, the adaptability of humanity. But let's talk about the people that, speaking of canceling something, broke up or plan to get divorced, but then now find themselves quarantining together. Awkward. There was that art- yes. Totally. <laughs> There's that article um, in The Cut, uh, Five People on Being Isolated with Their Exes by Anna Silman. Recently split couples plan on having less time together as they navigate their breakups, but then COVID-19 happened and they're stuck together isolating for just a little longer. If somebody doesn't do a reality show about that shit, I don't know what to say because that <laughs> that is the show. Like you're like yes. I, I just got to get out of here. I'm about to make a break for it and now you're stuck. Yeah, there, I love what Tammy 37, she's one half of one of the couples that was interviewed for the article. Every single day, I am more and more certain that we'll be filing for divorce. (laughs) And then I also want to talk about people that are kind of on their own, either on their own completely or maybe on their own as single parents. The isolation can be daunting during this time. And I mean, I've had a few moments of it. It has not been daunting in the least for me, just let's say. But, But it is definitely something that can be scary. And you may feel like, will I ever have human contact again? Will I ever have friends again? Um, Zoom happy hours, digital dating. If you have a pet, walking your animal, watching our masterclass, Next Chapter, Life After Divorce, which is available at nextchapterseries.com, little plug there, are just a few of the ways people are passing their time during this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, There are some others in the articles that Johnny's about to tell you about. Yes. So, One of the first ones that I want to talk about is from Fast Company, and it's about some of the cool new podcasts that are out there, in addition to ours, if you can imagine that there's any as cool as ours. Um, But there's uh, a great article by David Lidsky on Fast Company um, that gives you kind of like an overview of some of the the new cool podcasts that are created by couples or or people who are quarantining and staying safer at home including Jason Stewart and Chris Black's How Long Gone, which is hilarious. Um, and then uh, there's another one, which, which, which title I just think is hilarious. It's Stay F. Homekins, featuring Paul F. Tompkins <laughs> and his wife, actress, Janie Haddad Tompkins. Another article about coping with loneliness during coronavirus. This is by Amy Morin. And it was published by Very Well Mind. Again, it really, I, I do, I worry about people. Some of these women that have signed up for the worthy webinars, they just seem so alone. And I think that, you know, if we are able to reach out to other people and include them in things and check on them, um, super important. But but those those who are alone, I think it's important to find a schedule. I think it's important to remain active to a certain extent volunteer. I mean, yeah, you're lonely and it sucks, but there's a lot of things that you can do even from home to be helpful and create, write, do some artwork. If you have ever been creatively inclined, reorganize your closet or your email inbox. There's a lot of stuff to be done. So I think we're done with the period of binging Netflix and drinking a bottle of half of wine per day. Let's see well, if not we all actually, of us. <laughs> let's see if we can turn this into something beneficial. I mean, at some Absolutely. point, then you can go back to Netflix and the wine, I guess. Absolutely. All's fair in love and war. It's the proverb people usually go to when they're describing a situation where emotions drive someone to do or say something extreme that's out of character or out of the ordinary. I'd say living in self-quarantine during a global pandemic is one of those situations. But don't let these stranger days stress you out too much. As I always say, this too shall pass. 
At It's Over Easy and at Thrive Global, we're publishing new content weekly about how to co-parent during the quarantine and how this new normal impacts relationships. So after this download, be sure to check out our Insights blog and our social channels at It's Over Easy. You can ask questions on our Facebook page and our Instagram about any of the topics we discussed today. Let us know what you think about today's show and rate us at Apple Podcasts, then share the show with your friends. I have a question for all of you, and that is, the kids that are going to be born as a result of this quarantine, do we call them A, coronials, or B, in 13 years when they become teens, quarantines? A or B, let us know. We'll be back next week with more fun guests and riveting conversations. Thank you for listening. Now go wash your hands and let's speak next week. 